Hi everyone and welcome to the third episode of the Real World Podcast, presented by your hosts Esme, Anushka and me, Sophie. This week we will be discussing Wangari Mathai, a Kenyan political and environmental activist in our introducing segment. Um, we'll then be discussing the Mariana Trench, changes in our power stations for our climate change segment and our main segment this week is going to be on Eco Week. Um, we will of course finish off with our recommendations for podcasts and articles surrounding Eco Week and Eco Activism and we really hope you enjoy this episode. I'm now going to pass over to Esme who's going to talk about our introducing segment. So, Wangari Mathai, a political and environmental activist born in Kenya in 1940. She was the first woman in East and Central Africa to earn a doctorate degree. She obtained a degree in biological sciences from a university in Kansas. She subsequently earned a Master of Science degree from the University of Pittsburgh. She then pursued doctoral studies in Germany and the University of Nairobi, obtaining a PhD. She then became chair of the department of in 1976 and 1977 respectively. In both cases, she was the first woman to attain those positions in the region. She then went on to create the Green Belt Movement, which was broad-based grassroots organisation whose main focus was the planting of trees with women groups in order to conserve the environment and improve their quality of life. Through the Green Belt Movement, Wangari Mathai has assisted women in planting more than 20 million trees on their farms and on schools and church compounds. Her campaign against land grabbing and rapacious allocation of forest land has caught the limelight in the recent past. Wangari Mathai is internationally recognised for her persistent struggle for democracy, human rights and environmental conservation. She's addressed the UN on several occasions and spoke on behalf of women at special sessions of the General Assembly for the five-year review of the Earth Summit. She served on the Commission for Global Governance and Commission on the Future. She and the Greenbelt Movement have received numerous awards, most notably the 2004 Nobel Peace Prize. Professor Mathai was also listed on the UNEP's Global 500 Hall of Fame and named one of the 100 heroines of the world. In June 1997, Wangari was elected by Earth Times as one of the 100 persons in the world who have made a difference in the environmental arena. So now I'm going to tell you something that you've always wanted to know. So where is the deepest place on Earth, you may ask? Um, Well, this is the Mariana Trench in the Pacific Ocean. Um, So the trench sits like a crescent-shaped dent in the floor of the Pacific Ocean, and it's around 1,500 metres long, um, with an incredible depth of nearly seven miles. Um, which is just under 36,201 feet. To put this into perspective, most commercial flights fly between 33,000 and 42,000 feet above sea level. Um, So temperatures here are just above freezing um, and it's complete darkness. Um, And again, for comparison, the Titanic um, lies around 12,600 feet below land. Um, And only three divers have ever actually explored the Challenger Deep, um, and this is the deepest part of the trench. Um, And two of these explorers were in 1960 and the most recent in 2012, which was the filmmaker James Cameron. So he went to the trench solo, um, and you may also know him for being the director of the film Titanic. I think the trench might also be famous for the Megalodon shark, so, you know, I I wouldn't really recommend being one of those divers. (laughs) Okay, so now we're going to move on to the climate change story of the week. Um... So I'll be talking about CCS at Peterhead. 
which probably makes no sense. So CCS nope. is, <laughs> is carbon capture and storage technology. There's no T for technology, so it's just CCS. Um, and Peterhead is a fossil fuel power station in Scotland. So CCS takes in CO2 emissions from industrial processes like a fossil fuel power station and turns them into liquid, which can then be injected into rocks. Um, depleted oil and gas fields under the North Sea are ideal locations for storing carbon in this way. So Peterhead was Scotland's most polluting site in 2018. Um, so they've been trying to install CCS for quite a while now, um, since 2006, but no scheme has worked so far. And SSC is the company that's been attempting to do this. So they're a multinational energy company located in Scotland. Um, so although CCS sounds all well and good some environmentalists do criticize it because they fear it makes big companies think that they're allowed to keep burning fossil fuels instead of phasing them out which i think is a fair point to make um and then i just have two quotes from the first being chris stark who's the chief executive of the climate change committee and he said I think it's very likely to happen this time around and the reason for that is because ministers at UK and Scottish level have been very clear that they want to see carbon capture technology developed. And then we have Jess Cowell from Friends of the Earth Scotland said CCS is not vital to meet net zero if we have the right policies in place to decarbonise. If we're going to pursue net zero what we need to see is just a managed phase out of high polluting fossil fuels. So those are two sort of opposing views of the situation. It is quite interesting, the kind of debate between do we just get rid of all our fossil fuel factories or do we try and come up with technology to make them more um, carbon neutral? Right, so now I'm going to be telling you about our main segment, which is on Eco Week. Um, so as well as being a geography rep, I'm also an eco rep, so I'm just gonna tell you a little bit more about Eco Week. Um, so next week is Eco Week at our school and we're going to be encouraging you all to reduce your carbon footprint in any way that you can. So we have a number of events going on. Um, so first of all, it's Walk or Cycle to School Week. Um, and you may be wondering why walk or cycle um, instead of taking the bus or um, going in the car. So driving to school every day can increase your carbon footprint dramatically. Um, but there are other options which are fun and quick, um, such as cycling, um, which is quick and easy to get to school, um, especially as you can often take shortcuts and are not as easily affected by the traffic. If not, walking from home or to the bus can also make a difference. Um, and another event that will go on is Meat Free Monday. So on Monday, the cafeteria and sick form will be completely meat free with vegetarian options instead. And Anushka is going to tell you a little bit more about why swapping out meat is significantly better for our planet. Yeah, so the climate impact of meat is actually enormous. It's roughly equivalent to all the driving and flying of every car, truck and plane in the world. Um, and when forests are destroyed to produce industrial meat, billions of tonnes of carbon dioxide are released into the atmosphere, which accelerates global warming. And even further, it means that less um, trees and vegetation are in that place to produce oxygen. So I have a few statistics that meat and dairy, speci meat and dairy specifically accounts for 22% of global greenhouse gas emissions. 23% um, of global wa fresh water supply is used to feed livestock. 33% of global arable land is devoted to livestock feed. 
and 45% of global land is occupied by the livestock sector. And the worst meat for consumption, the worst meat consumption for the environment is beef. So that was quite a lot of information um, about how bad meat is basically for the environment. And when you think about it, it's kind of insane that only one sector, well, the agriculture sector and one food can have that big of an impact. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by the enormity of the climate issue we face as a society, reducing your meat and dairy consumption is definitely the place to start. Even if it is just for Meat Free Monday. Definitely. I mean, you can just do one day a week to start because cutting out meat altogether, especially if it's a big part of your diet at the moment, is a big commitment to make. Um, So you can just start with one day a week and you'll find that the more you do it, the more you find vegetarian recipes that you like and you can start to increase it to more days of the week. I know that in the COVID lockdowns, my family and I made quite a big effort to move away from meat because we had quite a lot of time to test out like new vegetarian recipes and stuff. So my mum and I are now completely vegetarian and we've even been able to convert my dad who used to eat meat every day. And I just wanted to say to try not to think of being vegetarian as the things that you can't eat and the meat you have to cut out, but instead focus on all the new delicious vegetarian recipes that you can have. It does not have to be a sacrifice. You can still have your fajitas, your tacos, your bolognese, lasagna. Um, there are really, really great vegetarian recipes out there. And Esme, Sophie, are you guys vegetarian? Um, so I was actually the same as Anushka. In lockdown, my family um, all went vegetarian for January and February. And I still try and keep to it at least six days out of the week. Um, but yeah, definitely, I used to eat meat probably every single day of the week. And it's now easy. Yeah, so I'm not vegetarian, I'm pescatarian. But um, I do try to just cut down on meat as much as possible. Um, and again, like my family, we've really reduced our meat consumption and try to look for creative ways to make vegetables more interesting. That's really good. Um, and on the question of eating different types <laughs> yeah. of food, <laughs> we have a slightly controversial topic, which is should we be eating bugs? Um, so I actually did a bit of research and found that crickets have more protein, omega 3s, and fiber than beef. Um, They're also loaded with many vitamins and minerals such as calcium, zinc, and iron. Um, And most insects are nutritionally similar to beef, pork, or chicken, if not having more nutrients. So they also emit uh, fewer greenhouse gases because they're smaller, Um, but because they contain more of these nutrients, you can eat less of them to make up for the amount that a piece of beef would give you. Part of their environmental benefit is that they also have a high feed conversion efficiency, which means they can convert feed to protein more efficiently than livestock animals. Which means you can still bulk bulk up at the gym on insects. (laughs) Yay! So Sophie will now be talking about um, plastic. Yeah, so along with our two events, we're also going to have a Plastic Free Day on Thursday, where we will be encouraging a reduction of your plastic usage. So I'm sure many of you are aware of the effects of plastic consumption, especially if you've watched the new Netflix documentary Seaspiracy, which I highly recommend if you haven't actually seen it yet. Um, So not only is plastic bad for our oceans, but single-use plastics are very difficult to dispose of. Um, They often have quite a lot of 
um, effects and they're just not very easy to dispose of. So nationwide we use around 7.7 .7 billion plastic bottles per year which is an average of 117 bottles per person per year. So despite a war on plastic we recycle just 45% of plastics in the UK. So although the scale of plastic use is huge there are things that we can all do to reduce our plastic consumption. Reusable masks, water bottles, straws, tote bags and coffee cups are cheaper in the long run, higher quality and are of course significantly more sustainable. So look out on Thursday for some more tips on reducing your plastic consumption. I also just wanted to say that with all of this um, reducing plastic, reducing meat consumption, it's it's a big change to make to your lifestyle, especially if you eat meat every day or you're using a lot of single-use plastic products. Um, but the biggest thing to do is just to make one small change and be consistent with it because that's better than just staying the same because you feel like you can't change your whole lifestyle. Um, and finally, some quick recommendations before we finish the podcast. Um, so there's Environment NPR which is just a five-minute soundbite of the latest updates in everything affecting the environment right now. Um, and the environmental podcast, which you can find on Spotify, which discuss modern solutions to the environmental crisis using technology and education. So thanks so much for listening to this week's podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next week for episode four of The Real World Podcast. Bye! <laughs>